Hello and welcome. My next guest is Matt Bird, the founder of the Social Housing Roundtable. He has 10 years of experience recruiting in this sector and understands firsthand the issues that surrounds tenants, providers and the homeless. Matt is driven to make sure that more people have access to affordable housing and have a home. He shares why we should make change and collaborate with as many people and organization to help make that change. You're listening to Impactful Billionaires, the podcast with award-winning social entrepreneur, Nayasha Kwaditsu. Do more, be the impact. A For The Now media production. Thanks so much for joining me. And, Thank you for having me. Yeah. If you could just introduce yourself and tell us what you're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Matthew Baird. I um, I run my own recruitment business. I've been running it now for just over a year. It's set up in February 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been working in social housing recruitment for the last 10 years. But more importantly, I've been running the Social Housing Roundtable, which is mm-hmm. a week event that I run with a lot of different topics and events that are covered and and focused purely within the social housing sector um Mm. but a a huge array i know you've been on a few yourself which has been amazing i love the topic they're very interesting oh you're sort of you're really talking about taboo things isn't it things which are never spoken about (laughs) disrupting disrupting social housing with your with your topics I mean, the whole point in it was to to try and drive change. When they first set up, which was at the beginning of the pandemic, mm. it was to try and network, to bring people together, to share ideas, etc. Mm. Um, and it's evolved now into being a product which is focused on trying to make real change in the sector. So I partnered with the Community Safety Podcast run by Jim Nixon. Um, mm-hmm. And I think most importantly, what it's allowed me to do is bring forward topics that, as you say, aren't necessarily talked about. So we've done LGBTQ+, and that's role within social housing. We, obviously, mm. you and I have run one on fostering mm. and, and how that can have an impact on the social housing mm. world. Yeah. We've done it on building a carer's network, on what customer experience really means, yeah. on how to break the glass ceiling for, mm. um, you know, within the BME community. So mm. and is there a glass ceiling and how does mentorship work? Mm. Wing on antisocial behaviour. Um, we've got one coming up on menopause and menstruation and including that as a policy and how you can better work in that side. We've done homelessness and enforcement. There's so many areas that I think... Yes, domestic violence and um, oh, customer journey was very interesting. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and how domestic violence and its link with homelessness. Yes. And I think the important yes. thing has been not just doing these for doing these sake and to try and bring people together. It's when people in housing get the, the chance to come together, real change can be made. I know. Um, I'm a firm, firm believer in that, but there aren't enough platforms to do so. So this was a platform for that to happen. Mm. And I'm really proud of where it's got to. I want it to get bigger. Um, oh. you know, we've got one coming up on engaging young people in careers in social housing and how mm. we can better work together to improve the narrative. I think there's a lot of negative news on social housing and rightfully when bad providers are called out or bad stock is called out, there aren't enough oh, positives yeah. about what the sector does, what the sector delivers and how <laughs> excellent the sector is 
at actually mm. delivering and promoting some amazing support networks for people who need it most. So I guess the reason I, I mean, I fell into social housing recruitment. I didn't know much about it, but the reason I've stayed in it is because I love the sector. I love mm. what it does for so many people who need support and need help. Mm. And most importantly, it gives people who otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity mm. the chance to better their lives. Because if you can yeah. get housing yeah. right, yeah, <laughs> it did. Get Everything right else is fine after you've got housing roof over your head. It's just a basic need, isn't it? It's a hugely basic need. Um, mm -hmm. You have to get housing right. And I'm not just saying get someone a place to sleep for the night. No. Get them the right place for them. Make them feel secure. Make them feel safe. Mm -hmm. And make them know they've got a base to build from. If you mm -hmm. can get that right, mm -hmm. other things will flow. <gasps> yeah, so we don't, unfortunately... I, I don't believe, unfortunately enough, central policy is coming out that's supporting that narrative. And there just isn't enough affordable accommodation. There isn't enough starter homes. There aren't enough accommodation being built that's mm. focused on those mm -hmm. who need it most mm. rather than mm. those who want to upgrade from where they are. And that is important. But right now we've got such a huge crisis with people living in poor accommodation or accommodation just isn't suitable. Yeah, we need to that okay. right first. Mm. Um, there's accommodation which is actually not suitable for fit for purpose. And well, there's so um, many homes in this country that are mm, completely empty. Mm, They're second yeah. homes. Yes. They're people, yeah, buy to let homes, whatever it might be. Yes. And actually, we've got enough accommodation for so many people who need it most. Yes. I'm like changing that narrative, but what the, the roundtable is aiming to do is bring people together who can really share ideas really share best practice mm. and and do it in a forum which is non-judgy mm. which is complete there are no there's never a stupid question no and there is absolutely us all realizing there are areas that we don't know about within the mm. sector and having the opportunity to ask people about that so when we did yours on fostering mm. i learned so much as did, yeah. people, as did other people who came with it and as have people who watched the recording yes. <laughs> Because it's just mm. stuff we don't talk about. Mm. No, people don't talk about or they don't want to, to seem stupid or ask a, just a basic question. That, oh, I'm, I, I should know this, this answer, but I don't want to ask it. <laughs> and that's the joy of the roundtables. And I think, mm. and it's also to inspire a bit of debate and see things from another side and see things from someone else's perspective, because we're not all going to sing from exactly the same hymn sheet, but Mm. Those who tend to come onto the roundtables are those who are focused on really improving lives rather than improving profits, basically. Yes. Yeah, and, it, yeah. uh, mm. and that's and that's worked brilliantly for me because it's where my own my own stance has come from. And I actually had a meeting last week and sat down with uh, Bromsgrove District Housing because we were talking about the menstruation policy they've got in place and the menopause policy, mm. what it looks like, and where the stumbling blocks have been, where the good mm. things have been. Mm. And we're going to do a round table on it. Mm. We got to the end and she was like, it's strange because although, and she was saying about myself, although I'm on my own, she classed me as an ethical recruiter. I was like, well, if I'm working in housing, you have to work ethically. Yeah. You have to be willing to forget about profits sometimes, forget about the money. I mean, don't go wrong, I've still got to make a living. So there are yeah. times where, you know, invoicing issues or we've fallen out with people because of unpaid invoices. But mm. well, that's, that's the business side. But yeah, realistically, but when I look at things kind of realistically, the important part has been that if I'm recruiting for a business, I'm finding the right people for you because I mm. understand the sector, but I also understand what it means to work in the sector. 
And I think that's yes. sometimes where people let themselves down. Mm, yes, they, yeah, you've got to have empathy, isn't it? You do. For where you're working. Every child deserves a loving family. And that is why I founded Banya Fostering, an independent provider in 1996. In the past 24 years, we have grown to become one of the largest agencies in the UK. We thrive to support carers and empower children, providing opportunities for brighter futures. Have you ever thought about supporting a child that needs it most? So far, we've helped more than 7,000 children in our care. That also for me, I always say it then leads to uh, fulfillment and love your work rather than dreading your work. If you don't like it and you don't think you're making any difference to anybody's life, it's quite a soul destroying, isn't it? It absolutely is. And I think that's the joy of a sector, which, as I say, I don't think gets enough media coverage because there are so many opportunities for a career in. And when I say social housing, I include the widest bracket possible within that. So I include domestic violence refuges, I include charities, I include mm. what yeah. you sell, you know, as long as the charity is associated with like homelessness or mental health or whatever mm-hmm. it will be. Yes. I include what yourselves do in fostering. Mm. All of this ties back into housing for those most at need. Mm. The housing for those most at need is a, is a mouthful, so I call it social housing. And <laughs> I think if you're somewhere affiliated with housing for those who need it most, yes, um, yeah. then, then I'm there to support you in whatever way I can. And it isn't mm. always recruitment. It isn't always about making money out of things. It's no. what can I bring together to, to support people mm. who want to support people who need it most and, I know yeah, and I love it I absolutely yeah. love it because yeah. I speak to the best people every week yeah. I'm just speaking to the best people the best people in society who yeah want to help uh, and there are so many people who want to do that it's 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 mm. brilliant yes but um going back um a step further why do you think you do what you do today why is it of interest to you do you think if anything to do with your background is it yeah with I, I mean, I, I grew up in a military family. We grew up in military accommodation. Okay. Um, we weren't. My mum was. My mum was a nurse. My my father was in the Marines. Um, okay. There wasn't a, you know, there wasn't an affluence of money, but we we lived pretty comfortably, mm. um, and never needed to have everything new, big and shiny to live happy and the rest of it. Mm. Um, and there were other problems that then that coming through, you know, military families and things are going to create sometimes difficulties. And and father mm-hmm. was a, a, a lot of unfortunately a lot of wars and things along those lines. Mm. Um, but when I look at why I got into it, I when I finished university, I, I graduated in history and education, and I was going to teach, but okay. at the time there weren't bursaries available. I wasn't quite sure it was for me at the age of 21, 22. Really? Um, but I, and I, I was interested in social care in that area, but couldn't quite find the career. I, yeah, well, I grew up in the southwest. I grew up in Plymouth and mum moved to the Lake District and I couldn't quite find the career options. Mm-hmm. And so I just needed a, a, a job. And I, I moved in. I moved to Durham with a friend and uh, started working in sales and, and it went well. But, you know, I enjoyed it. And, mm-hmm. and was earning okay but it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily fulfilling um 
uh, ethically. And mm -hmm. I transferred, I moved down to Solihull and moved in with some friends down here. And then I just fell into recruitment and I did nine, 10 months working with the recruitment agency that it didn't work out well, but they were a good business. We just didn't, they weren't quite compatible. Mm. And then, as I say, I, I worked for a different social housing firm now 10 years ago. Yeah. And they said, go and recruit in social housing. And I was said to them, well, I don't really understand what that is. You know, <laughs> is that tower blocks? Is that, you know, what, what is it? <laughs> and as soon as I started learning about the sector, I couldn't take in information quick enough. I was reading, <laughs> in, I was reading yeah. Inside Housing every week. I yeah. got the subscription to it. I was reading, you know, following all the news. I was following whatever I could. And then I was doing the training across our business for mm. a few different of the offices, okay. training in social housing and training in what some of the changes coming out. Because back then, welfare reform had just kicked in universal credit was just becoming oh, a thing. yeah 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 um, yeah supporting people funding had been cut where were businesses going where was change happening how could we actually help um what were people going to be looking for yes and i loved it and i loved it and i loved it and i think the passion came from the fact that i would have always worked in the public sector if i'd known about a career other than the nhs or teaching Mm -hmm. and yeah. I didn't want to teach and, the, and caring wasn't quite for me yeah. but I didn't know of any other areas but I was yeah. always public sector through to my core mm -hmm. and, and looking after people and putting people first mm -hmm. but I didn't know the career and yeah. so I think yeah. now I found a nice blend of it because I got fed up with working for agencies which were all just about the money yeah. I worked like I say for one or two brilliant agencies and one or two that weren't so great mm -hmm. um, and some which unfortunately ethically I didn't I didn't stand by Mm. but what I have found is that by setting up on my own I'm not getting constant questions now about oh well if you're running a round table event what's the return on investment what's the money that's coming back from it how are you making money from it it's, it's not about that it's yeah. about mm. doing what I enjoy and what I enjoy is speaking to people who can make change bringing those people together and seeing change being made and I think that's yeah. kind of where I am to my core I think that's my why yeah, I, I want so. to see change being made for those who need it most. Mm, yeah. When I do get the opportunity to recruit, yes, you know, I'm a business, I make money from it, but I spend so much time making sure that right person is going in because I know that if that person going in is doing the right job, mm. they're going to change the lives of people who need yes. it most. It's going to have an impact, so, isn't it? So when I'm when I'm speaking to people and speaking to people about why they want the job and things along those lines, if I'm mm. not hearing the ethics that go along for me with what a social housing provider is, I just won't shortlist them. And maybe that's right, maybe that isn't, but the businesses I work with seem to like it. Mm. Um, because I think this idea of a social housing being, you have to have a commercial mind, you do, because they're businesses. But if you haven't got that social heart, yeah. there's a term I heard from Hannah Harvey a little while ago, was this social heart, commercial mind. Yeah, and I love that. You haven't got that. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And, and social mind. heart, commercial mind. If you haven't got both, then you shouldn't be in the sector. Yeah. Um, and I mean that right the way through to central government. And I think that's where sometimes some of the issues arise. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's, that, I guess that's why I got into it. That's why I'm still doing what I'm doing and constantly yes. enjoying mm. you know, the journey that it's taking me on. Yes. And what is next? I mean, it's very impactful what you're doing. It impacts a lot of people and um, directly and indirectly about um, having this um, 
what you're doing and putting in people who, because there's this issue about being aligned with your values and what's your purpose. And if you're not, you don't want to recruit somebody and they're completely miles away from social housing values and they won't be happy. Nobody will be happy. <laughs> Just, so you're, you're really focusing on these win-win relationships and building and building that mm -hmm. and people who are looking at how they can improve their best practice. Because I, th I think your round table discussion is everyone who comes there, they're so interested in betting themselves so that they can impact people differently and knowing and you know they're so keen to learn about how they can. Well, I think that's the thing. People <laughs> want to learn. People mm -hmm. who work in housing seem to have a wish to constantly better themselves. Social Enterprise Success Conference is a non-profit event that celebrates and connects social enterprises with a view to replicating them globally. We offer mentoring and coaching to aspiring change makers and leaders to grow their social enterprise ideas. We create networking opportunities to connect with supporters of social and conscious enterprise. Do more. Be the impact. So, yeah, um, I think people who work in the social housing sector are constantly wanting to better themselves and their own careers but also find ways to better improve stuff for their tenants. Yes. And when, I mean, you look at the white paper that came out, suddenly we're getting authorization to really focus services off. Excuse me, I've got something tickling my throat. Yeah. You drink some water. <laughs> drink some water. Oh, right. No, that's so hard. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I think I agree with you. When you're looking at social housing, people who work in, in it, they, they want to improve things for their tenants. They want to improve things for the people they're supporting. Mm -hmm. But what they don't always have is the, they're in the wrong business. They're in a role in which they think they can do more if they move to a different position. Mm -hmm. And... You know, unfortunately, some providers aren't necessarily the greatest providers. So, mm -hmm. and also, you know, there's a lot of mergers going on. There's a lot of uh, push towards making bigger businesses. Mm -hmm. And with that, I think we're having an issue because it's moving away from that very community feel and that community-led business, which is about knowing who your tenants were, knowing who's in the local community. Yes. And being able to then focus on delivering best service for those who are, your tenants rather than being i mean this idea of a hundred thousand homes and things like that no, you can't deliver a personalized service to a hundred you want to be personalized you just you just become you a number kind of thing 100 100 plus housing offices and you're not going to pay for that when you're that size of business yeah. so there are big issues there um so a lot of the people who join the round tables as well are those who are in either smaller businesses or community-led businesses or community-focused roles mm -hmm. within larger businesses Okay. And I think it's really, really important because when you're recruiting and when you're speaking to people, it becomes very easy to understand what people's values are. Mm, yes, yes. And there is a business for everyone's values out there. Oh, yes. <laughs> and yes. We don't all have to have the same values. <laughs> absolutely. 
And mm. so the businesses I tend to work with align quite often with my own values and my own mm. thoughts on housing. Mm. Yeah. And it makes you wow. And it motivates you then uh, working with people you don't, you just, you know, it's quite destructive if you're. I can't afford to work with everybody. I don't have the time to work with every housing no. provider. So I'm, I'm, mm. I am selective. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to be selective. Yes. So mm. those I'm working with have the right ethics and moral values, or, or ones that align with my own. I say correct, they're ones that align with my own. Yes. And mm. which is about putting tenants first, which is about, you know, making sure that housing is is led by what tenants' needs are and not just guessing what tenants' needs are. Mm. And mm trying to make real change for, for those who need it most. Yeah. And so when I'm speaking with people whose, whose values align with those, it's, it becomes very clear very quickly. And they're the people that I put forward for vacancies and they're the ones that often get the roles. Yeah. And so yeah. this is what I mean. When I'm, when I'm recruiting, it's not just on skill set. It's not just on what you've necessarily done before as a career. Mm. It's where your values are and where your values lie. And yeah. I've lost count of the amount of times where someone's come forward and actually, I've, they're the person that's got the role because I've put them forward because they really align with what the business's values are, but also their attitude is right and their mm. willingness to make changes right and the rest of it. And that, yeah. that is more important than, than value, uh, sorry, than skill sets. And yes, yes. Oh, in the current market, recruitment, well, mm. I mean, recruitment for everyone is so difficult right now. Yes, yes. And I did a piece last week where we've got a young person joining the business as a manager. He's never mm. been a manager in this business, but he's he's managed previously. He's done home ownership before. Yeah. He's, he's a specialist in what he does. He's doing. He's got all the skills, but he's not been a home ownership manager. Okay. And yet, I put him forward, and and values wise, he might he meets exactly where this business are, yeah. and there wasn't a hesitation in hiring him. Yeah. And I think that's where the the important part of of what of what recruiters do and. Mm. I've said it to so many people recently, but if you're not consulting with your recruiters and if you're not feeling like you're being consulted by them, like mm. really with a real value-led professional, you know, ethos, then yes. you're wasting your money yeah. because there yeah. are some amazing recruiters out there. And I, I mean, I've, I've absolutely advocated for two, there's two other providers that I know well and mm. I would advocate for in a heartbeat. Um, who who also do social housing and if i was struggling they might have somebody who who they know better and that there's there's two businesses that i wouldn't have a hesitation in advocating for mm-hmm. but yeah. there's others that i would definitely say to stay away from mm-hmm. and it's that that because of i know how the businesses are run and ethically mm-hmm. well, it doesn't true. align with what social housing is all about which is yes. the big check yes yes definitely oh what a wonderful um um uh, vision and impact you're making and I'm so grateful to have uh, for you to spend time with me talking about this and uh, I really want to you know continue attending every child deserves a loving family and that is why I founded Banya Fostering an independent provider in 1996. In the past 24 years, we have grown to become one of the largest agencies in the UK. We thrive to support carers and empower children, providing opportunities for brighter futures. Have you ever thought about supporting a child that needs it most? 
So far, we've helped more than 7,000 children in our care. I can't attend tomorrow, by the way. And I think that's the thing. Every episode is recorded. And yeah, no, that's right. We obviously go onto the LinkedIn group because they don't yes. want anything for you know, public consumption. I think there's a lot of very personal kind of stuff that is shared on them. So yes. if you know, the, the group, I know I have to authorise anybody who's joining that group. Yeah. And so if, you, if you're within social housing and that kind of stuff, great, or you're somewhere affiliated with it, then brilliant. Mm. If not, mm. then you won't get the link to the event um, mm. and you won't get the link to the um, uh, to the recording. Yeah. And for those recordings, I feel it's really powerful to share because, like I said, people can't make them. But I know tomorrow's is going to be a really good one. Yes. Um, yes. It's and I, I love them. I love I'm running. forward to hearing the recording. Well, there, there's so much. There's so much joy when I get to run these, and um, I just get to learn and listen, and and sometimes challenge. And so I I do what I do best, and mm. allow those who know housing best to to talk about what they what their ideas and themes are and we, yeah. we all learn so it's, mm. it's great it's a good learning practice uh, platform and I, I really do think some of the topics you bring there they're sort of taboo people don't want to talk about them it's just incredible the topics i just i, I just said that they're very disruptive and they're really thought-provoking thank god i've never thought of that <laughs> And that's it. And sometimes you aren't, you get questions that you don't even know you didn't yes. know. Yeah. Well, we did the carers network and we're fostering those with two. But as I say, there's one coming up on, you know, menstruation and menopause. Yes. That that's just, it's just a, never a mind. Sub it's subject in the society, isn't it? Never mind talking about it openly within a company, you know what I mean? And yet... Yeah. It's really important, but the good thing is, is that when I when Bromsgrove come on and talk about it, they're going to talk about the challenges. Yes, they talk about the issues. They talk about that actually some people, men and women, were quite resistant to it. Some women yes. were going, "I don't want this talked about." Openly. Well, no. and yet it's <laughs> and yeah, it's about making sure that then it is enforced in a way that you don't have to. It yes. isn't there, but if you want to, there's a platform to talk about it. Or, and also, it's for men who are going through things with their wives at home, or partners at home, or kids mm. at home. Yeah, they don't understand what they're going through. I yeah. can't, I can't yeah. empathize with this because I've never. Obviously, we'll never go through it. But equally, yeah. Yeah. how do we, how do we best support? And yeah, and, you know, they've had to, they've, they've changed their policies around so that it isn't yeah. men and women. It's mm. you know those who, those who go through menstruation and those who go through menopause because again they don't want to feel like it's isolating anybody out there and, and for that to be in a social housing provider where sometimes housing providers can be called out for being behind the times a little bit is is brilliant um and i think really really forward thinking but you know it's about getting these platforms in place so that people can talk about it mm. talk about what they think the challenges are going to be and and you know and bromsgrove himself will be more than willing to listen to to what comes next and to what people's ideas are so Mm, oh, I love these. That's how that's how you grow and how that you improve is to uh, talk about it, um, take get feedback, get comments, and you go back and tweak it again. It's not written in stone, isn't it? Your policy is supposed to be a moving. Flexible. Um, yeah. And, Absolutely. Uh, yes, and that's how you get better.
you can't get better without talking about without getting feedback from people no you can't and and that's exactly why they're brought about which was this idea that actually why don't we all come together Mm. and try and make real change because we have the voices to do it we've got so many people who join the round tables who like the next upcoming managers heads of directors whoever they might be Mm. and i mean I i remember running one and the reason why I've invited Brom to go on to this is because I ran one with uh, Lara Oya Daly, who's vice uh, vice president at the CIH, okay. and it was about breaking the glass ceiling for those who are from I hate the term BME communities, but non-white communities. And mm. how do we, you know, is there a glass ceiling? Okay. If it's there, how do we break it? If it isn't, why mm. is it not actually there? And, and some of those were very very difficult conversations. Mm. We had about 20 of us in the room and myself and Graham Anderson, who's the, who's the chief executive of Bronze Grove, were the only two white people in the room. Wow. But he came along going, I need to learn this. Yes. I need to learn what my business needs to do yes. in order that we improve. Yes. In order yes. that our EDI is better, in order that actually I'm making sure we're not making those same mistakes and people who aren't coming through talking yes. about Bronze Grove in mm. that way, people feeling mm. that there's glass ceiling. Mm, and it was yeah. imperative that we did that but he came off from his own volition you know what it's like I don't force anyone to come I just put an invite out mm. and, wow. and I think that was really really powerful and I think mm. the message there was so important which was that if you have got diversity groups yeah. make sure that you know you have white people in them too because they need to yes. a learn and b they're going to be your biggest advocates mm. with with other senior managers with other executives with directors and yeah. making sure those important questions are asked and also given the platform for people to learn mm. today. Um, yeah, I, I've learned so much from them and will continue to do so, but I guess the long-term aim will be to start doing live events. We're certainly planning on doing one at Health. Yeah, so that's, that's the next thing I was going to ask. What next? So, so you have live, live events where? In so, the, so the first one I'm going to be... I'm in the process of trying to finalise it at the moment. It should be at the end of next month at Housing 2022. It'll be probably after day one on the Tuesday. We'll do it after the event um, at a place across the road, I expect. Um, right. And we'll run a live event there because it's just going to be good. There's, there's so many people from Housing go to that. I feel it would be good. And I think it'll be tied into what we're doing tomorrow, which is about improving that narrative around how we engage young people in careers in housing. Because it is one of the biggest issues in, in social housing at the moment, mm-hmm. is, is advocating it as a career option. Wow, um, I definitely would like to attend that. Like, I that haven't been good. out well, to to anywhere more. for the last three years, honestly. Well, this is it. And I haven't really done many uh, live events. I would, I would love to to come to it. If so you I think can. what I need to do is, and, and this is this is the challenge, I mean, if anybody has done anything like this before who's listening and wants to mentor or wants to talk to me about it, please do. Mm. Because obviously I'm Birmingham-based, which is a good location for a lot of people, but yeah, Birmingham when, it comes to the, when it comes to the round table, there's people from all over the country. Yes, and you'll yes. know yourself, it is north, south, east, west. It's, it's yes, 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 yeah. mm. So how do we run a round table that is going to be accessible to the most people do we run yes. multiple ones are there is should i run a multiple one of a particular event or do we mm-hmm. run multiple events there's lots of yeah. questions and queries there mm-hmm. um that i'm trying to learn and find my feet and, and mm-hmm. find my way through mm-hmm. and Definitely. you know but I, I want to do live events I, I want to be running more this year and then try and make them a monthly or quarterly thing next year i think probably okay. quarterly to begin with but i'd like to get at least three in this year so i think okay. if we're doing it in june 
Mm. One maybe just after the summer holidays for the kids because no one's going to be able to do it in August. (laughs) Uh, And then one toward the end of the year. Oh, that's that's before Christmas kind of thing. Yeah, and I think Mm. people will Mm. come together to network, to talk and to try and make real impact. Um, Again, that's why guest speakers and those kind of things. That's been the biggest change this year and last year has been guest speakers. You know, we had last year we were just running events and it was good. And this year I've just reached out to people and said, do you want to be a guest speaker? And the amount of people who said, yeah, I'll come on. I've got a topic I want to talk about. Mm. Um, has been staggering and, mm. and continues to be so. So mm. um, yeah, some, some people have been absolutely amazing. So mm. you know, the more of those we can get, the better. And I think that will be how we advocate. Because if you can get a name that people want to listen to, mm. people want to have me chairing it but they don't necessarily want me to uh <laughs> I don't no no you can't facilitate the whole day by yourself you'll be dead you need other, other people's input other you people's do. voices in there no problem hopefully <coughs> keep me updated with that i really like to and i can share it within my networks as well the event. i will i will yes yes that's fantastic anyway i realize that um you've got to go and i've got to go Thank you again for your time. 